Coming up next is this month's special series, Focus on Men's Health, on ReachMD XM157. When it comes to meeting the primary care needs of the U.S. population, it's not just medical doctors that are coming to the rescue in the nation's healthcare system. The number of osteopathic physicians figures to play a major role in providing primary care to Americans well into the future. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM Channel 157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Bruce Japson, the healthcare reporter for the Chicago Tribune, and with me today is John Crosby. He's the executive director of the American Osteopathic Association. The AOA, as it's known, represents more than 61,000 osteopathic physicians, or DOs, and it is under Crosby that the AOA strives to promote public health, encourages scientific research, and is the accrediting body for all osteopathic medical colleges and healthcare facilities. Mr. Crosby joined AOA as executive director in 1997 after eight years at the American Medical Association as senior vice president for health policy. During his tenure, the AOA has increased membership by over 125%, doubled its contingency reserve, and launched numerous programmatic initiatives such as women's health, minority health, end-of-life care, and health care reform. John Crosby, welcome to ReachMD. Thank you, Bruce. Pleasure to be here. Well, so the number of osteopaths are on the rise, and, and we know this is a health care reform year, and you're going to tell us a little bit about the importance of the osteopathic physician and how they are taking on an increasing role uh, in the nation's health care system. Yes, that's correct. As you mentioned in your introductory comments, uh, we represent 61,000 DOs uh, today, but of the, say, 107 different health categories for people that go into the profession of healthcare, osteopathic medicine is the fastest growing. Our own uh, workforce projections, if you want to call it that, call for us to be up at around 100, 105,000 DOs by the year 2020. And we're very proud of that growth, uh, not only for its own sake, but because we tend to go into primary care and we tend to go into underserved areas, both urban and rural, where, in our opinion, people have the greatest health care needs. So, yes, we're, we're proud of this and we think we are going to fit a very important niche in the new uh, health care delivery system as it evolves and as Congress or the new presidential administration may reform it. And if you could tell our listeners, um, you know, like what is an osteopathic physician? And also a lot of people probably don't realize that they make up uh, about 20% of U.S. family physicians. And clearly the majority of osteopathic physicians are doing primary care, which quite frankly is is what is needed in this country. Uh, That's correct. Uh, We do tend to go into primary care, family practice, internal medicine, obstetrics and gynecology. DOs, Bruce, are fully licensed physicians. We practice in all specialty areas, including surgery. Uh, We deliver babies, radiology, anesthesiology. Like MDs, we go to school for four years and then do an internship and residency training program before we're licensed by a state authority. So in that sense, we are very much equivalent to MDs in the United States. And Quite frankly, we work right alongside them in uh, hospitals, in clinics, and in all facets of medicine. But uh, we also have additional training in osteopathic manipulative treatment, 
and uh, our philosophy may be a little bit different than the MD. But in terms of the health professions, it's MDs and DOs are the fully trained uh, licensed physicians in the United States. Well, if you're just joining us, or even if you're new to our channel, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Bruce Japson, the healthcare reporter for the Chicago Tribune. And with me today is John Crosby. He comes to us from Chicago, where he is the executive director of the American Osteopathic Association. And we're talking about the osteopathic physician's increasing role in the nation's healthcare system because this medical specialty is predominantly primary care, and you hear so much about the importance of primary care. And we were just talking about the education of the osteopathic physician. And uh, Mr. Crosby, it's interesting because there have been actually some new osteopathic medical schools have opened in recent years, and perhaps you can tell us about that because they're probably opening at a faster rate than your traditional medical schools. Uh, That's correct. Right now, there are 25 osteopathic medical schools, and we actually are teaching in 28 total locations. About one in five of all medical students is attending an osteopathic medical school, and we've had some uh, tremendous growth, uh, 7.5% alone since 2003. One of the things that I think is unique about us and our profession The new schools are being located in underserved areas for the most part. For example, the the Pikeville College School of Osteopathic Medicine was established about five or six years ago in the heart of Appalachia. And since then, two or three other schools in that general region of Kentucky, Tennessee, uh, West Virginia, Southern Ohio, uh, have all started osteopathic uh, medical schools. We also have, just this past year, we opened up a new medical school in Harlem, uh, in the heart of New York City, right there on 125th Street across from the Apollo Theater. And uh, if you really want to get a charge out of life, visit that osteopathic medical school and see the, the students that we're attracting that have pledged to stay in the inner city and practice there and provide care. The same model is true in Appalachia. We try to recruit from the hills, teach in the hills so that they will practice in the hills. That's a, a really neat model if you're looking at the healthcare needs of the U.S. Uh, let's not put a, a new medical school where uh, everybody has great access to care and high-quality care. We need to put uh, new schools like we are in central Washington, Yakima, Washington, There are 38 counties in the state of Washington. Only one, which serves uh, the Seattle-Tacoma area, is considered to have adequate numbers of doctors and health professionals to care for the population. The other 37 counties in Washington don't have adequate care. So we're putting a new osteopathic medical school right in the heart of the state, and the reaction from the community and the population at large is really incredible. Given that these medical schools are going in underserved areas of the country and you constantly hear from the traditional MDs out there that there are funding issues and you know doctors don't want to go in certain areas, is there funding? Who, who funds the building of these medical schools in these areas, which quite frankly wouldn't normally have the money to uh, fund a lot of things? Well, it uh, varies from school to school. Uh, I would say 
on the one hand, there are some programs like Ohio University and Michigan State are both state schools in their own uh, higher education system. We also have several private schools, some of whom are backed by their own investors. But, for example, the new school that did open this past fall in Tennessee, Harrogate, Tennessee, right at the base of the Cumberland Gap, is the DeBusk uh, Osteopathic College of Medicine. Dr. DeBusk is a pioneer in medical devices and has patented many uh, different products for use in hospitals throughout the world. He saw a need there in northern Tennessee, southern Appalachia, uh, for a school, and so he's largely funding it uh, out of his own. We have another uh, school opening up in uh, southern Colorado this coming year, and again, uh, investors have uh, decided that this is a need that they want to fill, and they're putting their money uh, behind it. Uh, it varies uh, school to school. We do, uh, the Osteopathic Association, AOA, does accredit the osteopathic medical schools, and they all have to reach certain standards in order to be uh, functioning. Uh, this is a deemed status, if you will, that the U.S. Department of Education has delegated to the AOA, much like they have delegated to the AMA and the uh, American Association of Medical Colleges for the MD world. So we keep our standards very high in terms of all of these new schools, but the financing background, whether it comes from the community, local businesses, or investors, as I have mentioned, varies from school to school. Well, that is also an interesting model when you consider that increasingly medicine is reliant on the federal government or the state government. And uh, if you actually get private uh, industry and private investors, given the employers have such a stake in the healthcare system, given that healthcare costs are on the rise, it really is uh, interesting to see. It is. And quite frankly, the federal government, uh, Medicare and the Medicaid system, which they also oversee, from our perspective, seems to increasingly want to get out of financing medical education, particularly for interns and residents, and turn that over more to the private sector. We'll see if that model continues for much longer, but interesting phenomenon. Well, and if you could uh, also tell us, how do you see this uh, model evolving? I mean, do you see osteopaths getting a, uh, you know, perhaps uh, benefits of some of the funding with health care reform and so forth, given that they are so focused on primary care? Uh, that, too, is an interesting concept because almost every expert that you talk to says that primary care should be at the center of our health care system, uh, whether it's a family practitioner or an internist or an OB. Uh, you want that person at the center of our system. And yet the reimbursement uh, levels that physicians get through Medicare and Medicaid is often skewed much more towards the highly trained uh, specialist and subspecialist. So I do think there's an imbalance that over time uh, should be corrected. Uh, we have had meetings with Medicare officials in Washington ourselves to encourage more support, uh, perhaps a break in terms of scholarships and loans and forgiveness of debt if you go into primary care. You know, the average uh, medical student today is graduating with over $200,000 in debt, and it takes a long time to pay that off if you are going into primary care. 
we think that we ought to turn that around and have greater incentives if you're going to go into family practice or if you're going into an underserved area, perhaps there would be a, a faster loan forgiveness uh, program set up that the federal government could help subsidize. Well, with that, I would like to thank John Crosby, who has been our guest. He is the executive director of the American Osteopathic Association, and we have been talking about how the osteopathic physician is taking on a greater role in the healthcare system. I'm Bruce Japson with the Chicago Tribune. I've been your host. To listen to our on-demand library, visit us at ReachMD.com, register with promo code RADIO, and receive six months free streaming for your home or office. If you have comments or suggestions, call us at 888-MD-XM-157. That's XM-157. And I would like to thank you today for listening. Listen all month as ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals, presents a special series, Focus on Men's Health.